Um, I heard there's um, a bunch of uh, college students here today joining us for the first time. Uh, we just want to welcome you. Uh, church, let's just welcome all the college students. Uh, for some of you, it may be your first time in church. For others, it may be your first time in a long time. Uh, some of y'all may have gone clubbing last night, gone a little drunk, and actually you have a hangover right now. If that's you, raise your hand. No, no, don't raise your hand. Don't do that. No. You know, clubbing's good. Clubbing's fun. I mean, I used, I used to go out a little bit. When I was at uh, a student at New York University, I mean, there's something about like entering the entrance of a club, hearing the mu- music thumping, seeing the lights, going in dressed up with your friends. Just something feel good about that. You feel real good. Um, but you know, we just want to testify. We just want to testify that clubbing may be good, but man, we have discovered God is so much better. Uh, there is something about walking into a powerfully anointed worship service where you hear the music thumping. And, you know, there's, there's some good-looking people at church, too, you know. They're not just in the club. Sometimes, you know, people in the club, they don't look so good. And then you want to move to another club. But um, we have found that God is indeed better. And so there's a lot of people in here that will testify through their testimony why they left their life of drugs and clubbing and sex behind. Uh, it really is because they, they really have experienced that God's love, His power is so much better. Uh, His purposes, they last through a lifetime. Uh, the hangover you know, only gets you so far. doesn't help you to accomplish much. But when you get filled and drunk on the Holy Spirit, man, you start to accomplish things that are beyond your wildest dreams. Uh, Let's look today at Proverbs chapter 2, verses 1 through 5. And I'm going to preach from this passage here. If you have your Bible, turn to Proverbs 2, chapter 1 through 5. And here in New Philadelphia, we use the uh, ESV version of the Bible. And so if you have a different translation, just uh, just stay with us. Here we go. Verses 1 through 5, Proverbs chapter 2. My son, if you receive my words and treasure up my commandments with you, making your ear attentive to wisdom and inclining your heart to understanding, yes, if you call out for insight and raise your voice for understanding, if you seek it like silver and search for it as for hidden treasures... Then you will understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. Amen. This passage here, it teaches us that if we receive the words of our Father and we treasure them and we make our ear attentive and incline our hearts toward them, we call out and raise our voice for it. We seek it like silver and search for it like hidden treasures. When we do these things, then we will understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. In other words, 
The words of a wise father are the key to understanding the ways of the Lord. Listening to the words of your father are key to understanding the fear of the Lord and gaining the knowledge of God. Now, this could apply to our earthly fathers. If you, uh, how many of you guys, you grew up with amazing earthly fathers who spoke into your lives, words of wisdom, words of encouragement, affirmation. Raise your hand if that's you. You're blessed with wonderful fathers. All right. God bless you guys. God bless you guys. And uh, when we honor the words of our earthly fathers, especially when you are a child under his roof, when you honor the words of your earthly father, the Bible says you will be blessed. And it will go well with you. And so when you honor the words of your earthly father, it actually, whether they're Christian or not, will help you to discover the ways of the Lord. Now, I'm, I'm talking about fairly good fathers, good earthly fathers, like wise earthly fathers, whether they're Christian or not. If you will learn to honor their words, those words of a father, of your father, are actually going to lead you into the ways of the Lord. But for those who did not have the benefit of an earthly father, it does not mean that you're spiritually lost or that you have to be spiritually bankrupt for the rest of your life. Because you, uh, although you didn't receive words from your earthly father, your spiritual father, your pastor can also play this role. In fact, as you grow up and you grow out of your earthly father's house and you go out and live as an adult out in the world and you join the membership of a local church, you are to receive and treasure the words of your spiritual father more and more there at the local church than you do with your earthly father. I'm not saying that, you know, I as your pastor, I'm, I'm now competing with your earthly father's words. But when you do grow up and you join a local church, where do you spend the majority of your time? You spend it with your local church. You spend it living your life, coming out and fellowshipping, worshiping with the rest of the house. This becomes your new spiritual family. It becomes a, a family away from, for many of you, away from home. And if you treasure up the words of your spiritual father more and more, the word of God tells us that it will teach you the fear of the Lord. And you will gain the knowledge of God. You see, a good church has a vision. Uh, you know, without vision, you can't really, really have a good church. Uh, and the responsibility of the set man, the spiritual father of the house, is to steward the vision and take the congregation and move them toward the vision. That's what a faithful pastor does. And if he does that faithfully... And the house follows, the individual callings of the sons and daughters of the house actually get fulfilled. You see, we actually tend to think that our individual callings are separate from the calling of the house. But I'm here to propose to you that it's actually intertwined and connected. And if you will actually get around the vision of this house, and you will begin to fulfill and help out with the plans of this house, you start to fulfill the visions of this house, God will begin to bless and help you fulfill your personal individual callings. When the church's calling prospers, the individual callings of the house prosper. That's just like a side message. 
And one of the ways in which uh, the spiritual father of the house, the pastor, mobilizes the church toward its vision is through his words. And what do I do the majority of the time on Sunday? I mean, I take up a whole lot of the two, two and a half hour service, which, by the way, we are going to make a new effort, renewed effort to try to shorten the service a little bit. Just letting you all know all the newcomers. Okay, you can look forward to that. Don't be afraid to come back. All right. But what does what do I do in the majority of the time? I speak words. I speak words. I'm constantly speaking words and words are just going out and you're some of y'all are catching the words. Others are dodging the word, you know, but the words are going out every single week. And I use those words at the Sunday swim meetings, prayer meetings, Friday fire prayer meetings at the Sunday services, at our leadership meetings. I use words, to mobilize the house toward vision. I want you to turn to your neighbor and tell him. You need to receive the words of your father. (laughs) Chapter 2 here in Proverbs begins with the father exhorting his son to receive my words. Hey, son, whether you're a girl or a guy, when I say son, I'm including both genders here. Son, receive my words. Yes. <laughs> Treasure up my commandments. He encourages his son to be zealous, to be passionate for treasuring up the words that he gives him. He says, I can give you money. I can give you clothes. I can give you a car. I can give you a house. But all of that silver and gold, it don't mean nothing if you don't treasure up my words. You know, some of us, man, all we're waiting for is like a material inheritance. That financial inheritance. I mean, we don't really say it. And that's, that's just taboo to ever even say that. That's just jacked up. To ever even say, you know, like, you know, I can't wait for my parents, you know, like, to move on. <laughs> so I can get their inheritance. But if you really understand, legally, you, you do have a right to their inheritance. If they got a house, they got a savings fund, whatever. If they don't have a legal contract that says it goes to somebody else, it usually goes to the, the, the children. And it's jacked up to ever say that. Actually, the only person that said that is the, the prodigal son. You know, He pretty much said, give me my inheritance, which meant, dad, you're as good as dead to me. So just give me what's mine when you die. Give it to me now. You know, but, you know, that's jacked up a lot of us. But then a lot of us are secretly like, man, maybe I should look forward to that. Maybe that is something that will bless me later on. But here's the thing. The material inheritance is not the only thing that you should look forward to from your parents. There's other forms of inheritance that a father can give to you. And one of the most important forms of that inheritance are the words of a father. You know, some people, they can have a rich father. That father suddenly passes away and they inherit this immense riches, staying at nice condominiums, homes, jet planes. But people who lose their father suddenly that way, most of the times, what do they do? They're treasuring up the whatever words that they remember their father saying. 
Why? Because when all those things, even in the face of all those things, what's really important is the words of a father. And here, chapter 2 begins that way. But if you, in fact, if you continue to look at chapters 3, 4, 5, 6, and 7, all of them begin and or are packed with some form of a father exhorting his son to remember the words that he's giving him. Look at uh, Proverbs 3, verse 1. My son, do not forget my teaching. Look at chapter 4, verse 1. Hear, O sons, a father's instruction and be attentive. Look at chapter 5, verse 1. My son, be attentive to my wisdom, incline your ear to my understanding. Look at chapter 6, verse 20. My son, keep your father's commandment, forsake not your mother's teaching. By the way, when we talk about spiritual fathers, it's inclusive of a mother and father, if they're both available to you. Chapter 7, verse 1. My son, keep my words and treasure up my commandments with you. Turn to your neighbor and ask them, what's the big deal with the words of a father? What's the big deal? Man, what's the big deal? You know, your earthly fathers, you know, you, you think, what's the big deal? You know, they, they, they talk, 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 man. My father talks, talk, talks all the time. Sometimes I get annoyed, he's just talking, chansori, ya, 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 you know, all that stuff. But then, you know, if some of you in here, if, you, if you've ever known somebody or you personally, you've lost your father prematurely, you start to recognize just how important the words of your father are. Right? Even the disciples, man, the disciples were with Jesus for three years. And Jesus was, in effect, a spiritual father to all those hundreds of disciples that followed him around. There were all these women, all these women. And the Bible actually tells us that the women funded Jesus' public ministry. And you needed money to feed those people. You needed money to go from city to city. You needed, you needed money for whatever else because Judas was stealing most of that money, you know. <laughs> And the Bible says all these women were following around Jesus. And and a day where female education was looked down upon, you know, Jesus received the women and taught them. And they would sit at his feet. Right? Why am I going with that? (laughs) Right. But what Jesus was, in effect, a spiritual father to his disciples. And here's the thing. They thought Jesus was going to be with them indefinitely, was going to be with them for a while. So I'm telling you, they were getting all these teachings, all these parables. Imagine all the parables Jesus taught that were never written down. The Bible actually tells us, you know, in one of the Gospels that you know, there's just so many miracles, so many things Jesus said. Man, there's just so much, man. We, I don't know if all the books in the world will be able to hold it. We know today that DVDs could hold it. But uh, back then, they only knew books, you know. So I don't know, I don't know what they were thinking. But there were a lot of words that were spoken out. But here's the thing. When did they start to really treasure up and remember his words? When Jesus died, resurrected, and they were like, all right, Jesus is with us indefinitely again. And Jesus said, psych. And he just starts to ascend into heaven. And the disciples, oh no! Jesus, we thought you were going to be with us forever. 
And so I'm telling you, right after Jesus ascends, all the disciples are getting together. So what did he say? What was that parable? How does it go again? I'm telling you, they started to treasure up the words of their spiritual father. You know, words, what's the big deal with words? What's the big deal with words of a spiritual father? Right? And I'm here to preach to you today that those words, they are your inheritance. Those words, when it's spoken through the mouth of your spiritual father or your earthly father, have power to propel you into your destiny. Read with me John chapter 6, verse 63. Turn there with me. If you have your Bible open, turn to John chapter 6, verse 63. In John 6.63, Jesus said, The words that I have spoken to you are spirit and life. Hallelujah. As Jesus was a spiritual father, a rabbi, a mentor to his disciples, he said to them, The words I've spoken to you are spirit and life. People say spirit and life. life. Now what's that mean? My words are spirit and life. And the disciples are like, cool. But what does that mean? The words I speak to you are spirit and life. See, it means that the more words of your spiritual father you have, the more of his heart that you have. The more of his spirit you have. The more of his values you have. In fact, even if you are thousands of miles away from your spiritual father... If you got his words in you, you got his spirit in you. Meaning you don't have to talk to him or consult him to make a decision about a particular situation. You will look upon that situation and you will know exactly what your spiritual father will say or do in that situation. And you will move forward because you have his words. You have his spirit. The words that Jesus spoke are spirit. Uh, It also, there's other uh, powerful meaning behind this. Uh, it also means that spoken words are just not, it's not just knowledge that's regurgitated through the mouth and heard with the ear and processed in the mind. But spiritual words have spiritual power. This means that um, the words are spirit. Since the words are spirit, they have the power to break off spiritual strongholds. Meaning that unseen bondage of fear, unseen bondage of um, addictions or or, or different kinds of unforgiveness or yokes. When spiritual words are spoken out through a spiritual authority, those words are spirit. They go out and those words almost take a life of its own and boom, sets the person free. You know, some people, man, they'll come up and they'll just get blasted by the Holy Spirit. And nobody says a word. Like we've had church services where we just, we just have people come up to the front. And I don't say nothing except the word fire. And I just say fire. And boom, the person's like, oh. They start crying. And if you've never seen this in church, uh, keep coming out to our church. <laughs> You'll see it eventually. And I'm telling you, you may like it. If you don't like it, just keep coming out. You might like it. Um, and they just start to cry under the power of God. They get up. And a month later, they let us know that on that Sunday, 
is when their addiction to cigarettes just completely got blasted off their life. Their addiction to drugs, their addiction to whatever, it just got instantly, they got delivered. There's people that get instant deliverance. Other people, they walk it out. But other people, they get the instant deliverance. Why? Because the Spirit of God comes upon them. And that Spirit of God comes with anointing power, and that power sets the person free from those addictions. But here's the thing. Jesus is saying, my words are spirit. Meaning that when words are spoken out through the mouth of a spiritual father, a person comes up, and, and the person says, I'm, I'm struggling with all these sins. I'm struggling with all these sexual sins. I'm, I'm jacked up. I'm messed up. I've been struggling for 15 years. I just feel so discouraged and hopeless. And all the spiritual father says is, you are set free in the name of Jesus. And then they go, man, stop patronizing me. Huh? This is really hard. Say, like, no, no, listen. You're free. Right? And the, father, and the spiritual father just says that. And guess what? That person actually gets set free. How does that happen? Without any manifestations, without any evidence that there was a supernatural power going on there. Why? Because the words are spirit. And if the person that's crying and struggling... If they receive that word and come in agreement with that word and shift their lives around that word spoken by the spiritual father, they are free indeed. In fact, a lot of times addictions are perpetuated by lies. Satan perpetuates your sexual sins by calling you a pervert. Says you're nothing but a dirty pervert. Content pervert. That's why you're looking at all this stuff, because you're, you're nothing but a dirty pervert. And a lot of times we start to believe it. And we start saying, man, I'm just a terrible sinner. I don't deserve to be in church. So you stop coming out to church, but that's the very thing you need to get set free. And Satan's like, man, you see that? You see that? Just proves you're a pervert. You're not even going out to church, you little dirty guy. And Satan just starts to lie to you. And the more you come to believe that deception the more it perpetuates the bondage in your life. That's where you need a spiritual father. And you say, I just feel so dirty. I think I'm, a, I'm just a pervert, all this stuff. And the spiritual father says, no, that's not who you are. That's what you've been dabbling with. But that's not who you are. What you struggle with is not who you are. What you do is not who you are. Who you are comes from what Christ has done. What, trusting what Christ has done. And I say to you in the name of Jesus, you are pure. You are pure before God right now because you're covered by the blood of Jesus Christ. Just come, confess all your sin, and you'll be completely cleansed, your soul, spirit, body. And we'll help you walk out this. Walk this out in full victory. Words are spirit. Words are spirit. And we, so we need to understand, man, words have power. You know, good words and bad words, they have power. I mean, how many, how many of us have been put in bondage because of careless things that our aunts, uncles, or fathers or mothers have said to us? Why? Because words are spirit. <clears throat> we all know that the word of God is living and active, but when it's simply on the pages of your Bible... And you just read it academically. The word doesn't seem to have the spiritual father to set pe- spiritual power to set people free from addictions and bondage and fear and security and etc. But you see, when those same words that you read academically in your Bible are spoken out by your spiritual father, by a person who you trust 
who is already walking in obedience to those words, when the spiritual father speaks those same words over you, the words are spirit and life giving power gets released and you get set free. That's why it's important uh, that not only do you read your Bible, you study your Bible, you believe the Bible, but you need people that you look up to that takes the Bible and speaks it out over you. I, I, I guarantee you, you could try doing it uh, for, by yourself. And, you know, it will encourage you to a certain degree. But when a spiritual father does it, there's a level of potency that you can't reach on your own. Words are spirit and life. In John 10.10, Jesus said, I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. So what do we think about when we think of that verse? On a surface level, most of us think life abundantly means, you know, lifestyles of the rich and famous, you know, or uh, cribs. You know, that's the abundant life. Jesus, yeah, give me a car. Give me a Mercedes. Give me a mansion, Lord. Yeah, I want that abundant life. And there is an element of it that includes material prosperity. But here's the thing. When Jesus said, I came that they may have life and have it abundantly, you need to understand that words are included in that abundant life. Because words are spirit and life. If you have an abundance of God's word inside of you, especially when it's spoken out by a spiritual father, when you have an abundance of his words, you will have abundant life. Because words produce life. Words of truth, words of wisdom, it produces life. Lies, deception, it produces death. Somebody with me here. Mm, So today, I'm going to um, share with you three kinds of words that you can receive from your spiritual father. And let me just say something here today. For the, the guests in here, the people that don't come out regularly or just newcomers here to our church today, you might say, well, I don't have a spiritual father. I say, all right, well, why don't, why don't you pray about, you know, finding one? Why don't you pray about relating to one? Well, I don't need one. Oh, well, okay. <laughs> I don't want you. I, I didn't say I wanted to. <laughs> Chill, homie. All right, I'm just saying, it might be good for you to have somebody who shepherds your soul. You can't see the top of your head. You need somebody else to do that for you. You need somebody else to call you out on things that you know you won't be willing to call out on your own. Correct you, rebuke you, but also affirm you when you're doing something right. When you do something right, sometimes you just self-doubt and you're just like, I don't know if I'm doing this right. And you're doing it right, but you're like, man, I don't know. I'm so bad at this, you know, and you're actually good at it. And you're like, oh, man, I suck at this. I don't know. And you just need a spiritual father to say, man, you're doing good. You're doing it right. Keep doing it. You know what I'm saying? You need a spiritual father. Here, here's the thing. People who say, man, I don't need no spiritual father. It's just me and God. It's just me and Jesus. That's like an orphan spirit right there. You know, when you see natural orphans, like real orphans, a lot of them, when they aren't healed, that's exactly what they do. They just run from place to place. They don't trust nobody. 
They don't open up their hearts to nobody. Why? Because people have been constantly abandoning them. So they believe the lie that no one's ever going to love me. No one's ever going to accept me. No one's ever going to stay with me. So why should I go and trust somebody in that way? But spiritually, there's so many spiritual orphans in the church. And I'm just saying, I just might propose to you, regardless of what your earthly father experience was like. Because some people think only people who have bad earthly father experiences need to go find a spiritual father. That's just not true. Whether you had a good or a bad experience, you need somebody to shepherd your soul your lifetime. Especially through your adulthood, through your marriage. Man, you know how many young people jack up their marriage because they won't give somebody the authority to speak into it? Hey, Brother Brady, I'm, I'm a little concerned about the way you're interacting with your wife. Um, is everything okay? And Brady's my, shut up. I don't want to talk to you about my marriage. Do you know who I am? I'm Brady Miller. Man, I'm prophetic. I'm full of the spirit. Man, you get, man, I got the anointing on my life. I don't need your advice. I take care of my business. Wife, let's go home. Now, we know Brady will never do that. But uh, there are people that have that kind of attitude. And they don't want nobody to speak into their life. But they're, they're in desperate need of a father's words. The words of a father to set them in order. The words of a father to take them out from, from going astray. The words of a father to take them to another level of confidence. To another level of faith. That orphan spirit really needs to be healed off of your life. And a lot of times God will use, you know, not just a heavenly visitation in your quiet time alone, although that could happen. Although that could happen. But normally, it's not, that's not how God heals you of an orphan spirit. God heals you of an orphan spirit just as you were damaged through people, God heals you through people. And so let me talk about three kinds of words that you receive from your spiritual father. Number one, words of doctrine. Number two, words of identity. Number three, words of wisdom. All right, let me describe what kinds of words I'm talking about here. Words of doctrine, words of identity, words of wisdom. Now, all three kinds of these words can be delivered in various ways. It can be delivered through preaching, through teaching, through prophecy, through counsel, advice. Now, it doesn't have to be one-on-one. You don't have to get a word of wisdom like advice to your specific situation, you don't have to get it through a council one-on-one time with Pastor Aaron or Pastor Christian. You can get it through a sermon. God's Spirit's like highlighting something in my message for you, and you're like, whoa, that's, that's very mysterious how it's speaking into my situation. And that's the Holy Spirit saying, hey, knucklehead, that's for you. Take it. But it's not in packaged as counsel in one-on-one time with the pastor, which is what I want. That's how I want it delivered. And God's like, man, just take it. Let me deliver it to you now. I know it's packaged in a sermon, but it's for you. That word is for you. That word of wisdom is for you and your situation. Take it. It can get packaged and delivered in different ways. Let me just say that to you right now. A lot of us, we're stuck on receiving certain kinds of words in a certain way. Now, let me talk about one. Words of doctrine. Words of doctrine. Your spiritual father 
teaches you words of doctrine. He imparts to you words of doctrine. And it's important that we learn to receive and treasure up the words of doctrine from your spiritual father. In Acts chapter 2, verse, uh, Acts chapter 4, verse 42, it says that the first believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. Why did they devote themselves to the teaching? Because it was a comprehensive system of doctrines that required more than just a surface reading of the teaching. They needed to study it. They needed to devote themselves to it. They needed to do discussion groups about it. It was a comprehensive doctrine, a comprehensive system of beliefs. You know, here at our church, New Philadelphia, there is a doctrine in the house. And what you will notice is guest speakers will come sometimes and they will speak out points in their message that are different than the doctrine of the house. And what's really cool is early on when I was pastoring, whenever a guest speaker did that, I'll get all worried and I just start jotting down notes. All right, be sure to teach against that point later on. Make sure to clarify that that's not what we believe in here. You know what I mean? I get all worried. But what I found out is most of the times I take those notes and then I'll never look at them again. So I never actually followed up on those notes. But what happened was even though I didn't follow up, even though I didn't uh, clarify or teach against the things that didn't sit right with me, what I noticed was there's a doctrine in this house. And so the sons and daughters identify the doctrine of the house. And when they hear something that's off of that doctrine, they just close their hearts to it. If I close my heart to it, I notice that the sons and daughters close their heart to it. I don't have to go out and do damage control. Why? Because the sons and daughters of the house, they have received the words of doctrine from their father. You know, if you don't have the words of doctrine established by a spiritual father in your life, you're going to be in trouble with Christianity. You're going to be in trouble with, you know, all kinds of false religions. You're not going to really know how to read the Bible. You're not going to really know how to interpret the Bible. You're not going to really even know how to live life or how to even relate to people. You need words of doctrine from your spiritual father. And you need to devote yourself to it. And so here at New Philadelphia Church, we have uh, the podcast, the New Philly podcast. And if you go and to our website and check it out, we have servants dating back all the way to 2007. Wow. It's a long time ago, isn't it? Now, you thought I was going to say like 1977. <laughs> no, I wasn't even born then. 2007. All right, so we got four years of sermons. And what you will notice is a lot of the sermons are preached by Pastor Christian. Why? How come Pastor Christian's always hogging the mic? Why didn't let somebody else preach for once? Right? Well, here's the thing. I'm the spiritual father of the house. If I let Marcus, not that, you know, Marcus's doctrine is off, but, you know, he was still learning. He was just coming back to the Lord. If I let him set the doctrine of the house, man, there would be mass, there would be mass confusion. There might be some confusion. Because Marcus is still a student. He's still learning. He doesn't have that kind of authority or that comprehensive system of doctrine to release to the house. But if you go back and you listen to all those sermons, you will receive the words of doctrine from the father of this house. And I'm telling you right now, even if you, you, you might be like, well, I came last month and I don't feel like going back and listening to all those old sermons. I'd rather just listen to the new sermons. Thank you very much. 
and be like, all right, that's cool. And then new sermon comes out and I say something and they're like, what's he mean by that? It's like, well, well, if you go back to some of the old sermons, he already explains it. And the next sermon, there's something else that doesn't sit right with them. And they're constantly confused and struggling because they have not received the words of doctrine from the house. Words of doctrine are powerful, I'm telling you right now. Number two, words of identity. This is in the form of love. Words of love, words of affirmation, words of this is who you are. If you have all doctrine but no words of identity from your spiritual father, you're going to still feel like an orphan. You're going to feel like an educated orphan, but you're just going to still feel like an orphan. That's because you need the words of identity from your spiritual father. And so, you know, you're struggling with self-doubt. You're struggling with insecurities. You come up to the front and Pastor Christian, Pastor Aaron, we say something like, you know, you are an amazing guitar player. You are a worship leader. God has set you as a worship leader in the house. And we say something like that. You might have been struggling with that calling, that struggling with that gifting for years. But the word of the Father, boom, sets you straight with the word of identity. You know, before I met Pastor Benjamin, there were certain things I struggled with. And even I saw Pastor Aaron struggle with. But I'm telling you, we were just eating fried chicken. We were eating pancakes. Uh, That's what we eat when Pastor Benjamin comes. We eat fried chicken and pancakes. That's it. (laughs) We eat fried chicken Breakfast, lunch, dinner, and we eat pancakes for a midnight snack. All right, don't ask me. That's Pastor Benjamin. He just, he just, that's the way he likes things. And we'll just be eating, and we'll just be chilling, and, and then we'll share something. We'll share a struggle, whatever, and he'll just say something in passing, a word of identity, and then, boom, we stop eating the chicken. And we're like, what just happened? Like something, well, like we felt like something, like shift. And it was all the self-doubt and insecurity and struggling with our calling. And he just says something in passing and boom, it sets us straight. Because your spiritual father has that kind of authority to release words of identity. All of you in here, you are thirsting for words of identity. And some of you in here, you're trying to find out who you are in the friends you have. You can't get your identity from your friends. And if you look at the history of your life, your friends have come and come and gone. And your identity has kind of shifted and changed changed with those friends. Some of y'all, you base your identity based on your career or your gifting. I play the guitar, so this is who I am. And that's no way to to get an identity either. We're not human doings, we're human beings. What if, what if, um, I knew a friend, right? She, she was a master violinist from age of three and four. She was able to play like all of the music in the world. <laughs> she played at Carnegie Hall when she was five years old. I and mean, she's this music genius. And uh, the reason why she was so good at violin is because her father plays piano and violin. And her father was such a successful, well-respected, well-honored musician in, all over Juilliard, all over New York City. One day, he was opening up the windows, and the windows slipped up, and the windows fell on both of his fingers and just shattered the bones in his fingers. And when that happened, he went into 
deep depression. Why? Why, why, did, why did he go into deep depression? Because most of his identity was based on him doing something. So when he lost that ability, he lost his identity. And it was a struggle about finding out who he really is. And I think he, you know, he eventually found his way back through just being, through relationship. Like, I'm a father. I'm not just a violinist. I'm a father. I have children. I'm a, I'm a husband. My identity is there. And whether I can play the violin or not, I need to still continue to be a good husband and a good father. And I think he found his way. But there's so many people that don't. So many young athletes, especially in American football. Man, I love football. But with the lockout and everything, if you don't know anything about the NFL lockout, you don't really know what goes on in football. You see, these players, this players association, they were fighting for something. You know what they were fighting for? They were fighting for basic human rights. That's what they're fighting for. Because, you know, a good running back who has, you know, a running back, when he, what he does is he gets the ball from the quarterback and then he runs into the middle of the line, runs to the outside where he's going to be vulnerable to hits from all these bigger guys. By the way, running backs are about my size or a little bit taller. I'm serious. They are from 5'6". Sometimes, they, a lot of times, they lie about their height. Normally, they're 5'6 to 5'10". And bigger backs like Brandon Jacobs, they're just freaks of nature. Because when you're a 6'3", 240 pounds, you shouldn't be running a 40 under 4'3". Okay, they're just a freak of nature. But most running backs, they're, they're muscular dudes that are real small, uh, small set, right? And they, and they just run through the football, uh, one rip the football into... Crowded areas where they're going to get hit and, and, and chopped and their legs and their heads and people spear them and all these things. And they go through all that punishment. Right? And most running backs, they don't have a long career in the NFL. Because they're taking so much punishment throughout their college years, throughout their high school years. And when they get to the pros, most running backs get maybe two good years in. A lot of them don't make it past four. And so when they come in, they don't get a good contract. So they work for like $400,000 a year. And you might think that's a lot of money. But you have to understand, you know, like, you know, if you're Tom Brady, you know, and I'm sorry to say this, but he's also, it's because he's white. He's white, he's a quarterback, and he's like well-mannered and well-respected. Tom Brady makes hundreds of millions of dollars. But most running backs are black. It's like Peyton Hellas. Most of them are short and black, and they come into the league, and they get very little money. And by the time they get good, teams are not willing to offer them a bigger contract. Why? Because they're liability to injury. So a lot of times, man, these lockouts are really about just human rights. It's about just basic safety for these players. And why am I going with this? How do I get there? Words of identity, yeah. A lot of times these running backs, man, they have a short career. They go out there, they play well one season, two seasons, and then boom, their leg goes out. They, they tear something. They get a concussion. If you're a running back and you get a concussion, man, it's game over. Everybody hears about it, and they know that you're no good. Brian Westbrook, who was a running back for the Philadelphia Eagles, was an amazing guy. He broke all these NCAA records for receiving yards and running yards. When he was in college. When he came to the Philadelphia Eagles, he holds all the records for receiving and running yards. Brian Westbrook had a pretty good career. But the moment he got a concussion, it was game over. 
He couldn't do the things that he did. And every time he get hit, he get another concussion. And the moment the concussion happened, what, guess what the Eagles did? They cut him. All those years of love and playing together, making it to the Super Bowl, and they still cut him. Why? Because it's a cutthroat business. But here's the thing. Why, why am I going with all this? I'm just saying, football players, a lot of times, their identity is based on what they do, on how they perform. And so when they lose their ability to do what they do and, and perform the way they want, they lose their identity. And what I'm trying to say to y'all is, don't base your identity based on what you do or how you perform. Base it on who you are in Christ. Third is the, word, the words of wisdom. Words of wisdom. Uh, when a spiritual father gives you words of wisdom, this is uh, in the form of like advice that he gives to specific people into specific situations. The words of wisdom from a spiritual father are powerful. Um, I'll share with you a story. Our sister, Anna Rowe, uh, she's on our Busan church plant team. And so uh, in a few months, she's going to be moving down to the city of Busan. Our church is planting a church, uh, church plant down in Busan. And uh, she's going to move down there. And all the team members are required to find a job and move down to the city of Busan by the end of the year, by the end of December. And Anna uh, just finished one of her job contracts, and so she started looking for a part-time job. And she received a part-time job offer, but the job offer required her to work until January 31st. And because it was inconvenient trying to find a part-time job that would even take her for a few months, she wrote me an email and said, Pastor Christian, um, uh, and she presented the situation to me. And then she invited me to speak into her situation despite the convenience of her just wanting to make an independent decision on her own. She said, I made a commitment to this Bhutan church plant and I want to honor that. So what do you think? Will you bless me to stay to January 31st? Or do you want me just to forsake this job and I'll keep looking? And so, you know, she wrote me that email. I didn't respond. And when she came down to Busan this past week... Why are y'all laughing? Does that happen to you? Uh, she came down to Busan and we're just talking. And in passing, she said, did you read my email? And by the way, I read so many emails. All right. Sometimes I get your stories a little bit mixed up. It's not that I'm getting old. It's just that there's so many emails. So I'm just getting some of the stories mixed up. And so she was like, so, so yeah, what did you think? And I was like, yeah, it was good. So, you know, the, the job, you know, the job required me to stay January 31st. I was like, oh, oh, yeah. And I just had this clarity about it. And I said, don't take the job. This is what I think. I think you shouldn't take the job. Because you made this commitment to Pusan. And I think this is actually a test. God is testing you to see how you respond to this. So just let it go. And I, I think God will get you something better. He'll work it out for you. So she said, ah, uh, Okay. All right, and so she decided to follow through on the word of wisdom that she received from her spiritual father. And then she wrote me this morning. She said, Pastor Christian, remember that job you told me to turn down to see it as a test? Well, that place called me again asking me if I would commit till January 31st. And I told them that I couldn't. But I told them that the best thing I could offer is that I could start work and I would do my best until I had to leave. So the guy thought about it for a second. And then he said, I would like someone longer 
But that works for me. You're hired. Ha ha ha. So tight. I remember when you told me to see it as a test and not take it. I was thinking, man, I need a job. But okay, I submit. And as soon as I did, he told me I was hired. Thank you, uh, Pops. Yeah. Some of them call me Pops. God is so faithful and I see his faithfulness through you. All right. Word of wisdom that comes to your spiritual father. You know, sometimes Aaron and I are going to package it as like, hey, that's not the Lord. Hey, stay away from that. Other times we're going to package it as, have you considered this? Or you want to pray, how about praying into it like this way? Have you thought about it like that? But whenever we get an opportunity, we're going to try to speak the words of wisdom into your life. Why? Because we want to shepherd you in the direction of God's will for your life. So many of us are so used to making independent decisions. And when it comes to words of wisdom, you look inside of your account and guess what? The balance is empty. And so you just feel so alone, so lonely. You're just like, man, I just got to make it on my own. Just me and Jesus. I don't need nobody speaking to my life. Nobody cares about me. Nobody really understands who I am. So let me just continue to go forward the way that I know how. There are so many people in the body of Christ that when it comes to the words of a father, they are spiritually bankrupt. They sit through countless sermons, teachings. They go to conferences, but they are bankrupt. And that's because they have not received and treasured up the words of their spiritual father. They hear it, they hear it, they hear it, but they're not treasuring it. There's a parable that Jesus told in Luke 19, the parable of the minas. Parable of the minas. In this parable, not to be confused with the parable of talents, there are ten servants. And the master gives ten minas, which is three months wages, to each of the servants. So all the ten servants get one mina each. And then, uh, Jesus, uh, and then the master of the parable comes and tells them to uh, show them what they did with that mina. And the first servant says, look at, look at this mina. Lord, uh, I produced like 10 more or something like that. And the second servant comes and I produced five more. And the third servant comes and says, here is the mina that you gave me earlier. I know that you are a hard man, a severe man, so I hit it. So just, just so that I don't lose it, I buried it. Here is what belongs to you. You know, just like the foolish servant in this parable that hid his mina, mina, mina. <laughs> sorry. I knew that was going to happen sooner or later. Uh, there are so many people in the body of Christ today that receive the word of their spiritual father and then they bury it. Instead of treasuring it, applying it to their lives, they simply bury it. Instead of teaching it to somebody else that was in the same situation you were in one year ago, they bury it. And then a few years later, when you, when you ask them how, your spirit, how their spiritual walk is going, they have nothing to show for it. They're still making the same foolish mistakes. They're not walking in wisdom. They still struggle with the orphan spirit. They don't know who they are. They're still confused about doctrine. All because they bury their mina. They bury the words of their spiritual father. Brothers and sisters. 
the words of of a spiritual father, they have hundredfold increase if you will learn to receive it and treasure it and apply it to your life. Can I tell you something right now? Apple computers. I know I always bring up Apple in my messages, all right? But I really honor the company that I used to work for. Apple computers, when I was working there back in 2003, just when the iPod came out, when I first got my employee stocks, they were valued at about $10. I got them on sale, $8.75. So I snatched up a few. I wish I snatched up more. Um, They were $10. And today, after the launch of the iPhone and the iPad and all these other innovations and Apple stores all over the world, Today, the value of that stock is $400. $10 to $400. Not only that, Apple is now today the world's most valuable traded, publicly traded company on the stock market. So all y'all, all y'all haters okay, who hated on me for talking about Apple, I'm telling you, there is a prophetic, that's like a prophetic word on the company. And here's another prophetic word, man. What's really, really cool is this past week, Steve Jobs resigned. Steve Jobs resigned. That's because this is the year of transition. There are certain key leaders that are resigning. The pastor of our our mother church, he's resigning. When I was in Australia, the pastor of Sydney Full Gospel, he's resigning. The the pastor of New Life, he resigned and moved to Busan. There's all these prophetic messages. Even the pastor of Onuri. You know, he went to be with the Lord. And the, what the Lord is saying is this is the year where the new generation of leaders are going to begin to rise up. That's our generation right here. The 20s and 30s. I'm right there with y'all. I'm like right there. 20s, 30s, 20s, 30s. I'm right there. That's our generation. This is the year of transition. And we're going we're gonna to rise up. And, and that's not my point. Um, coming back to Apple stock. Apple stock saw hundredfold increase. To go from ten dollars to four hundred dollars, that's nuts. That's nuts. And I'm not actually sure if that even counts the two for one stock split that they did somewhere in the in the middle. So if they didn't count that, that actually means the ten dollars went up to eight hundred dollars. Unheard of in history. But here's the thing. The words of your spiritual father are a lot like Apple stocks. You get them low. Well, you hold on to them, you treasure them, you watch them, you remember. And I'm telling you right now, those words are going to have a hundredfold increase in your life. You're going to end up with rich relationships. You're going to have a life filled with purpose and an identity, assurance of who you are. You're going to have uh, clear doctrine, teachings that are biblical. The words... Of your spiritual father, like Apple stock. That's my message today. Hundredfold increase in your life if you will learn to treasure them. Right, let's close our eyes and bow our heads. <coughs> Lord, I just thank you so much, Lord, that in this room, there are many people that you are setting free even right now. Through this sermon, you're setting them free. You know, if you're in here, I'm going to ask some of the altar leaders to come up to the front. 
If you're in here, we're about to sing a song before we're going to the end of the service. If you're in here and as you were listening to my message and you were listening to the the word that it's so important to have the words of a spiritual father, the words of a father speak into your life. And all throughout your life, you have not had an earthly father. You have not had a spiritual father. And you just feel so alone, so unsafe. And you feel like you need to create a system of doctrine on your own. And you're trying to study the Bible on your own. That's all good. But you feel like you need to create that kind of safety for yourself. A doctrinal safety. A directional safety. A purpose and identity type of safety. Like You feel like you need to create that for yourself and you're getting tired. Because that's not the way God created you to do things. God the Father wants to release His words to you. But He's going to pour it out to you through spiritual fathers. And that's you in here today. And you just want to receive prayer from one of our leaders here in the front. This is something that we do normally here at our church. Is we have altar calls where we invite people, whether it's your first time or whether you don't have to be a member of the church to receive prayer. You don't have to be a big bad sinner to receive prayer. If you want to come up and you want to receive prayer because you realize that you're struggling with an orphan spirit. You're struggling And you desire a spiritual father. You want the words of a father to speak into your life with authority. But you're lacking that. And you want that for your life. I want you to stand up to your feet. And we just want to pray with you.